I've no, I like never seen Dune, and I've been thinking about it just because the you know movie, movie. coming out. It looks very good. I'm excited. It does. I would like it if it was a good movie. I would that too. would be really fun. I would really <laughs> like it if it was a good movie because we've yet to have a good adaptation. Yeah, I was going to say like I I haven't watched the David Lynch one. Obviously, it's I not might. good. The the sci-fi one. If you were interested to see what a perfectly straightforward workmanlike adaptation. I mean, is, that's the problem with sci-fi. I was going to say it's probably like a lot of you know cable TV movies of that time. Is that like whoever was doing them had no imagination. Even if they did, they had no budget to execute that imagination. Well, and it's like, they actually do a pretty okay job with the material. Mm -hmm. It's just, you can see there's no money there. Um, They got Susan Sarandon and baby James McAvoy, and they called it a day. I mean, those are pretty good gifts. For the sci-fi channel back then, for sure. (laughs) Even now. I mean, even now, frankly, that takes Susan Sarandon and McAvoy. Would you go and play at one of Susan Sarandon's table tennis With her young lover? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are they still together? I have no idea. Susan Sarandon with a young lover. She had, like, a really young boyfriend, and they co-owned, like, a Uh, tabletop tennis bar or something. A franchise of them in New York. plot of her own movie, White Palace. (laughs) That's amazing. I hope so. Have you seen White Palace? No. No. It's where, like, Susan Sarandon has an affair with a younger James Spader. And then do they open a bunch of table tennis? of Why Did We Watch This, a mini-episode, so instead of a super in-depth movie discussion, we're just going to be having a little light chat, um, as well as announcing our uh, next week, or our next film, and the drink that's going to go with it. Before we get to any of that, I am Chris Ravel. I am Lee Delahanty. I am Brendan Drischler. We are, and uh, the next movie we're going to be doing is called The Big Wedding. came out in 2013. It has a pretty stacked cast. Uh, Robert De Niro, Diane Keaton, Catherine Heigl, Topher Grace, Ben Barnes, Susan Sarandon, Amanda Seyfried, Christine Ebersole, Kyle Bornheimer, Robin Williams. That's so many celebs. <laughs> many celebs. So many. Many Too celebs many, for I um, think. an incredibly... A uh, movie that literally no one remembers. Yeah, at all. And I, I stumbled across this movie last year and watched it and was so perplexed by so many oddities within this movie. By how big the wedding was? By how big the wedding was. And I just, you know, I love the wedding industrial complex. Yes. Um, no, but it's just, I had not, there was like a tone about this movie I couldn't figure out. I was stunned there were so many famous people in it. It's just sort of a mess. Um, I w- I'm very excited to see what your guys' thoughts are on it. Um, but yeah, as the title might suggest, it's literally just about some people getting together for a big wedding and all the drama. This, of course, is also kicking off our summer of weddings, mm-hmm. summer and? of rom-coms. You know, a summer of mogs. Woo! Gonna have three mogs. What's our first mog gonna be, Chris? Our first mog is gonna be uh, a very... (laughs) You really had to get that R back in at the end. Mog. 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 You're like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) My English teacher will come out of the clouds and kill me. Gonna make you put marbles in your mouth. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so this margarita is called the Muffin O'Connor. That's named after Christine Ebersole's character's name. Just thought it was very funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is four ounces of guava nectar, four tablespoons of fresh lime juice, two ounces of silver tequila, uh, one ounce of, we use lavender bitters, you can also use... We did not use one ounce of lavender bitters, to point that out. We used lavender bitters. Yeah, we used lavender bitters instead of an ounce of St. Germain. Yes, not an ounce of bitters. Don't do that, that's bad. uh, Don't do it! (laughs) Because you have a very lavender-y tasting drink. Or, uh, and then also four basil leaves... And uh, to kind of like muddle at the bottom of your shaker. So that the deal is you you muddle all of that basil at the bottom of the shaker, fill it up with your liquids, give it some very vigorous shakes, strain it into a glass with some ice. You can garnish with extra basil and lime if you'd like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm really hoping it's going to be the refreshing drink we need in this fucking heat wave that is killing us. It's awful. Sucks. Dying. I don't know that I've gotten a good night of sleep this whole week just because it's been unconscionably hot. Well, I have because, you know, air conditioning. The miracle of modern air conditioning. Even with it, man. You're doing it wrong. I think I I don't know. (laughs) Have you looked to see if it's on, first of all? Hmm. You know what? (laughs) Has it been making a loud noise, or is it suspiciously quiet? I did think it was really quiet. I just Hmm. thought, you know, maybe it was one of those... Investigate that. One of those newfangled ACs. Anywho... Uh, we wanted to bring back a fun little game to ring in. Yeah. Summer. You know something? I think summer, one of the most important movie aspects of summer is, of course, sequels. <laughs> yeah. And so, 
what what better way to honor those summer sequels than to do a mini sode sequel of our own? Our awesome. last version of this, by the way, was like so fun in the eve of COVID. Was it serious? Was it like really? November twenty nineteen. So it was like shortly before, shortly like before we heard about this thing happening in China. Like, yeah, yeah. Now we're good. Yeah, <laughs> Are you kidding me? So we really bookended. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood again. But yeah, how oh about that? I, I honest to God, I could not have told you how. I could be like, yeah, three years ago? Sure, probably. Sure. Yeah. It was about like a year and a bit because it was November 2019. Oh, gosh. I, what, what stupid children we were then. Yeah. So hopelessly we were just optimistic. Like, so, like, obliviously waiting for the wonders of 2020. Right. We'll be out for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I think we'll be working yeah. from home for like a month, but then we'll be back in the office. Don't I mean, you worry. I remember the 2020 before she got like, real bad. I flew to Seattle. Do you remember that time when also, like, it felt like everyone's workplace was just sort of kicking the can down the road of like, yeah, we'll stay online for another month and see what's, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. And then a whole year and a half later. And then a whole year and a half passed, and I'm like, screw, <laughs> still not back at work, all of us. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, anywho. Anywho, so so the sequel. What is yeah. this a sequel to, Chris? This is a sequel to, uh, honestly, one of my favorite games that we've played. I think it was the... Uh, really, yeah, like, it's not really a game with a quantifiable... It's a yeah, game, yeah. yeah. It, it's like a discussion prompt, I yeah. think. Um, but essentially, um, we've selected some movies that... Right. Uh, at least one other person in the room knows if, you know, someone else doesn't. The person who does not know what this movie is about is going to give their level best to describe just based on maybe what what little they've seen of this thing. And uh, the person who knows will uh, kind of, you know, give them feedback, let yeah. them know how close they came. Yeah. I feel like last time we all kind of had our moments where we came within striking distance of the real plot. I think so, things. except I, think, I, I remember that there was a lot of confusion with me between Goodfellas and Scarface. Oh, yes. Mm. And I didn't know which one was about... I thought that Scarface was just about a mafia, like the mafia, uh, as well. I didn't realize that it was about, like, a like, sort of, like, a Latin American yeah. cocaine dude. And I, I, I had no notion of what Goodfellas was about at all. Like, I I, didn't, I thought I could roughly say, like, ah, it's... I'm not. That was being good. That <laughs> yeah. was being good, Good yeah. boys. Martin <laughs> Scorsese is good boys. Those good, good boys. And then it's just a... All about dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious, actually. I was going to, so, like Lee, I had also meant to, like, go back and listen to this episode, and then it just never ended up happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious if anyone remembered, of the movies that they had not seen the last time, are there any of those that you have seen since? I don't remember what we Oh, my about goodness. Okay. I yeah, it's seen been a long time. I actually think, I want to go back and check this, but I would bet at least one of the movies I hadn't seen, you guys eventually showed to me afterwards. Because like, I don't it, know. Wasn't it shortly after that we started to watch movies? We yeah, to but we yeah. but like uh, we wouldn't have asked you like, do you know what the Russians are, are coming is about? Because like no one knows yeah. what that's about, you know. Like, yeah. but I you either know what? or you don't. I don't know. Have you seen Citizen Kane? I have still not. You, you should do. You should you see should, Citizen Kane. You, you know? should tell us right now. Uh, that's not on your list. Yeah, I want to know what you think Citizen Kane. I mean, like, so do you know? I've seen like, and read enough. I mean, like, I feel like you could probably tell you, like, again, like yeah. a paragraph I mean, description of like I or know a log that line. It's, it's right? like uh, kind of uh, a legally distinct. Um, uh, oh my God, Blake Yoda is a curse. Yeah, right. And it's sort of about it's not hers, but it is. Right, and right. it's about his rise to being this powerful newspaper man, right? And the whole drama was, like, the real-life curse did not want that to happen, so he kind of, like, majorly yeah. fucked with the movie. Yeah. Um, what happens at the end of it? Oh, the whole Rosebud What's Rosebud, thing? Chris? Yeah. Do you know what Rosebud and, is? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> one has been... What is a man? I was... Yeah. I was <laughs> a little pile of little, little, little pile of secrets. <laughs> um, no, but that's... Uh, I feel like I was seeing references to that joke on, like, cartoons I was watching. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing that I appreciated more after having seen Susan Kane for the first time was how many times The Simpsons goes to that level oh in terms God, of, like, constantly. I mean, there are, there's an episode that is entirely about Mr. Burns trying to find his beloved childhood bear, which is, like, a direct riff from that. But even just, like, other minor details, it's nuts how Susan Kane has become this sort of, like... I, I don't know, like, jokey shorthand in, also, in modern media. I'm also aware that Citizen Kane was a huge deal also because it pioneered a lot of modern cinema, or at least cinematography that had not really been done before. Yeah, it's like the first movie that knows how to use a camera. Right. Yeah. Because they did a lot of, um, like, camera work, which was new for the time. Yeah. Um, there was a scene I had seen, or uh, someone had showed me to kind of be like, here's an example of that camera work, and I couldn't tell you what was happening in the scene, but I could tell you, I think the shot, like comes in essentially from the ceiling and eventually kind of swoops into frame and that was, it was a pretty cool move 
Yeah, I mean, up until then, our biggest camera trip was um, tricking people into thinking they're getting run over by trains. <laughs> <laughs> or I was going to say turning the camera off, have someone walk away, then yeah, turn back oh on. Everyone's like, "Whoa, right? like, where did he go?" There's like a bajillion films, and they're all called something like "Puzzled Man Can't Find Wallet" or like "Holmes <laughs> Baffled" or like it's just all the same thing. Or it's like some fucking you pass the camera. Yeah, it's the, same, the, it's the Wizard of Space and Time just fucking with people. Right. By the way, have you ever, you've know you're familiar with the Wizard of Space. I don't know that I am. Oh my god, you should be. Because we were at Emerson College, it was like a short VHS that I feel like you would have run into during the like digitizing things. Because yeah. it was like so bizarre. Because what it's was like it? this weird. It's this guy who does his own special effects, and he did his this private little short film about him, just sort of like being a speedy wizard, and he's like running down the road like Woody Woodpecker, not Woody Woodpecker, uh, Roadrunner, Roadrunner Wood. And, like, he's, like, you know, spinning a sign, and it, like, he's, like, whoa, I've been here, and, like, doing all these, like, cartoony gimmicks, but it's basically, like, his show-off, showing off his own... Like, yeah. And I, I then sought out that he made, like, a full-length version of this movie, <laughs> but it's... But the full-length version is not, like, about the Wizard of Face of Time. Mm -hmm. It's about the visual effects guy. <laughs> no! And that short is, like, his sizzle reel that he's trying to... It's, like, a self-referential <laughs> movie about, like, this guy trying to make it big in Hollywood wow. as an effects artist. He's already operating on several levels. Yeah. He yeah. fiction about him doing this thing. Anyway, this is a massive tangent, but it was something <laughs> that, like, somehow it was, like... Because I'd never would have rented it, right? So have you been playing on one of the screens? I guess so. Media services? I mean, maybe I did see like, it then. What the fuck am I looking at? Maybe it was not in the background. Yeah. The, the one thing, I mean, the one I remember, I remember that, like, there was a short musical about, like, the Revolutionary I, War. Yeah. Do you remember that? I remember nothing else about it. But it was, like, a short, crappy 1776. <laughs> and there is that one video of the guy screaming, and the yes. camera just zooms on him. Because, because, like, we were sitting out in the hallway, yeah. and all of a sudden from, like, a room where I had this playing so I could digitize it onto a disc, you just hear, ah, and then, like, silence. And all of a sudden, ah, and this went repeated, like, several times. We had to go down and be like, what the fuck Wait, is so this movie? Was it just, it would zoom in on him, then reset? It would be, like, it would pull reset. further back consistently. So it would just, like, keep zooming in from a long So it would be screaming longer as it would zoom in more. Yeah, and then later <laughs> on... Uh, there was footage of open heart surgery. I remember that, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That was, God, that, that's like, no, thank you. I, I think it's fair to say, my favorite job I've ever had, <laughs> digitizing Emerson's just video like collection. old, weird bits and pieces yeah. you'd yeah. find. And like, just cataloging, saying what it's about, like, it, it was a wild summer. It's kind of like a Red Letter Media-esque experience. Yeah, like, no, it truly is. Been a VHS tape. Right, tell, tell me what the fuck it is. Could you have spun a wheel and yes. done a, a best of yes. the worst? Probably could have, honestly. There was a lot happening there. You could yeah. have sold that concept to Emerson. <sighs> I know. You're like, have me around. Anyway, we, we had a big tangent right there, yeah. but, but tangents are fun. Yeah, we like tangents. Yeah. So I don't think I've seen any of the movies, because a lot of the movies that I listed are movies that I would never going to see, like The Godfather, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I don't care about Memento. So I actually, I saw Blade Runner. That was what I had you not seen. Runner. Yeah, that, what I had not seen, but I have seen since. We were talking about Wikipedia. seeing that, because we were waiting for Chris to tell us like which one to watch. Yeah, and oh, I they just released like, a definitive cut. Like That oh, is really? the one. Just... Right, like, I think, like so many, year. I think longer ago than that. I think you're having some really weird space time issues. I mean, can you blame me? No, but I mean, Ridley Scott's final Blade Runner cut came out many years ago. Well, that would be the one, that, right? That's that is like the that's the one that I watched. It. Yeah, I watched that. What, did you like it? Um, you know, I did. I, I didn't love it as much as I thought I might have loved it. I, think I certainly. Point, it might have been overhyped. I mean, maybe. I think it's certainly visually striking. The world that it creates is really a neat world. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's mostly. It's a very slow paced movie, and that's not inherently a bad thing. But I think there's not a lot of plot that it's covering in that space. So it does feel sometimes like we're just sort of watching people wander or sit around or do That's minor things. And again, like, I'm not saying I hate that. I'm just saying it does feel like a long movie. I it's a long movie and it feels long. I think it suffers from also that, like, old world sci-fi genre trait of just having a dry emotionalist <laughs> No, it is very, yeah. And they almost take it too far in Blade Runner where I'm like, okay, our protagonist is also kind of raping Sean Young? Yeah, I mean, see, the thing with Blade Runner, though, is that because it's, a, like, a cyber noir, I think he's supposed to be emotionless. Right. I think, if anything, it's more of a reference to noir than it is to, like, sci-fi flat protagonists. True, but that is also a characteristic of, like, stories in of that time. No, I know, but I think most of the most of the sci-fi protagonists of the time that are crabby are just kind of like bland, boring characters. That's true. And he is clearly sort of like this hard-nosed detective yeah. stereotype. And I, I think it's it's just different in terms of flatness. Intentionally so, but different. So yeah, anyways, that's what I saw. Yay! Yeah. I honestly glad I did. Well, that's good. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have seen any of the movies today. <laughs> I might see some of the ones today. Yeah. Would, would you like, like so? Yeah. Like why, why don't you kick us off, Lee? So, what do you got here? Um, do you want me to start with Dune? I know Let's start with Dune because we can. Seen. I think we can both talk about what we oh, think cool. Dune is because Chris yeah. knows. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, you, first of all, Chris, you have read. I read all the. And books. you have seen the TV. I seen the, the TV, TV movie, movie and the actual David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Anyway, go ahead, Lee. Sorry. So, um, I here's what I know. There is spice on the planet. It's very hard to get. Yeah. Uh, there's worms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to like live in the shit to get this thing that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. And Timothy Chardonnay is <laughs> uh, he's like the son of I think an important dude or an mm-hmm. important family, and I think they're like banished there or something. That's supposed to be there. Like it's they're not like there's not where they're supposed. I don't know. I get the sense that like they're they're important, but for some reason they're on the shit planet doing something. And they have to, like, I guess be part of this, like, getting the spice industry. And then I get... This is where it gets hazy. Stone Carter. This is where it gets hazy, because I don't know... I think that there's, like, some sort of, like, rebel faction, maybe, on the planet that's, like, you know, we don't want to do live in the shit and mine the spice for you rich fucks. And there's maybe also some sort of weird chosen one thing with Timothy Chardonnay, where, like, he had, like... So I'm just guessing off of, like, fantasy tropes here, where, like, he has some special ability or whatever... Yeah, you're nailing it so far, actually. And he's maybe torn between which side to help. That's all I got. So, what I believe I know of Dune, there are similar overlaps on this. Because yeah. I know spice is a thing. I know that the worms somehow make spice. Mm-hmm. Like, the spice is from the worms somehow. And they're mm-hmm. enormous worms. They're really, really big worms. They're like and they're, monsters. Right, and they're really dangerous. And they live on this planet. I think the planet's called Dune. Uh, I'm going to actually save all my comments. Okay, I think the planet might be called Dune, or it might be nicknamed Dune. Anyway, I think Dune is the planet. Anyways, so I know, again, like Lee said, it's it's this thing about families, where um, the one guy is named Paul. Yeah. Which is... A very normal name. I know that there's also... Yes, Paul. (laughs) Timothy Chalamet's character is named Paul. And I know that there's also a character named Duncan Idaho, which sounds like someone from Parks and Rec. Uh Uh-huh. Anyways, so Paul is a member of, like, one royal family. And I don't know if maybe, like Lee said, it's this issue where, like, the family has kind of, like, fallen a little bit in, like, in their grace. Um, and I know that there's another family, and they're kind of, they're related somehow distantly. And that, the other evil family is, like, that big, fat floating guy, <laughs> whose name is, like, he's, like, Baron Harkonnen, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he has, he has, like, a a nephew or a son who's played by Sting in the David Lynch movie mm-hmm. who wears like a weird wingtip bikini. <laughs> <laughs> he wears like a metal speedo. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So he does not like Paul's family for whatever reason. I know he has out for them. I don't know precisely what he does. I know that Paul ends up on the Dune planet working with the spice people getting spice. And I know also when you do spice, your eyes turn blue. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. Um, and I know that the big fat floating guy in the David Lynch movie has like weird sores on his face, which apparently is not a canonical thing with this character. <laughs> and like, there's, I, I know because I've seen a clip on YouTube of him like flying away and gets he gets eaten by a sandworm. He just like floats <laughs> away, and like that's how I it, I think they dispose of him. At least in that movie, is he somehow floats away and gets eaten by a worm, which feels like a little bit of an anticlimax next to me. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's that's about my the extent of my knowledge. I gotta yeah. say, for two people who have not read or seen it, you guys have come very close. I mean, I feel like we have a logline, basically. Very close. Yeah. Like, so, the way it's working is, yes, uh, Paul's family, the Atreides, or I get pronunciations on anything are extremely variable, so someone else may have a different way of pronouncing it, but I usually say Atreides. Um, essentially, it's sort of a, a problem you can kind of snort at, but essentially the Atreides have done two things wrong. One, um, the Atreides' wife, who is from this kind of freaky order of, like, basically, what if nuns became really good at kung fu and also social engineering? Salt. And uh, she's essentially been sent to this family to produce a chosen one heir to serve her people. Mm-hmm. Um, she decides at some point, fuck you. I'm, I actually love my husband. He and I are just going to have a, a child and raise them. Paul's father. She Paul's loves Paul's father. Okay, cool. Okay, just want to make sure. Um, Paul's father has been, or the whole family, has been invited to Arrakis, which is called Dune by everyone not from the planet. I so see. it is a nickname for So it. that's the Spice Planet. That's the Spice okay. Planet, on which giant worms live, uh, and they do produce spice, but it is extremely hard to harvest, 
and uh, you, everyone needs it. Um, it is a drug. It does turn your eyes blue. More specifically, it turns it what they very insistently call the blue on blue, which is both your iris and your pupil turn completely blue. It's sort of a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is uh, you can see anywhere, and people need that to pilot their ships, or else everyone will crash into each other. So essentially having control to do like big like warp jumps. Okay. Okay. So whoever's piloting the ship needs to be. I was like, like, I think we've done all right as. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but I just mean like I think we could drive space, cars, spaceships, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Big space okay. Okay. Um So uh, they take a lot of spice to be able to do that. The problem is it dehumanizes you, and um, it consistently pushes you further and further away from whatever. Uh, humanity you had before. In the Lynch movie, he would have them physically changed into these almost like bug creatures, which was kind of cool, but it's also like was totally just made up. Um, but yeah, uh, he's been invited there to take over Dune by the Emperor, but the Emperor is threatened by the Atreides because he they, they're very popular with the people, and the Emperor doesn't like that at all, so he has teamed up with Harkonnen to be like, hey, I'm going to have the Atreides come and take over Dune, but then I'm going to leave an opening for you to come in with your people and just fuck them up. Okay. So that's what happens pretty much right at the beginning when they come to the planet. Harkonnen, uh, through a spy that he has in the Atreides household, fucks them up. Uh, Paul and his mother escape, are picked up by the Fremen, the Spice people, who do not want to continue this process of essentially being subjugated by the larger galaxy for this one thing. Um, and eventually, uh, he is a chosen one, just not... Paul is a chosen one, but just not who everyone else wants him to be. He's a chosen one for the Fremen, specifically. Okay. And he is someone who, uh, he, like, gives himself completely over to their cause. He leads a revolution against the Empire. Well, like, why is he a chosen one? Does he actually have special abilities? Yes. But he, but he, he's not a chosen one for the Fremen by any sort of, like, cosmic thing. He no. just has this ability, and he chooses to use it for... He has the ability through his exposure to spice. Okay. And so he is, wait, he so is a chosen one, not through cosmic shit, but through, like, if it was possible to genetically engineer a chosen one, that is who he is. Oh, okay. He wasn't genetically engineered for the frame when he was genetically engineered for someone else. For the, the, the battle nuns. nuns. The battle nuns. Okay, yeah. okay. I got you. And, um... Essentially, the, that first story of Dune kicks off a whole series in which his vision for the future of humanity plays out over the rest okay. of the series of books. I also, my other understanding, which I kind of didn't mention, is that if I remember correctly, Baron Harkonnen's kind of like a, a gay panic. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, he's like a, like a gay monster, basically. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. Um, like, 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 the, the, like the ancients, the old stereotype of, like, a gay guy who therefore is, like, you know, sex crazy and always lusting after young boys. In, and, the, like, in the Dune book, and I really hope they don't go down this road in the movie, just because, like you said, it's very old and gay panicky. Uh, Baron Harkonnen has a nephew, that's who Sting played, right. named uh, Faid, who, in the books, you're supposed to get that he, like, um... Let me just back up for a second. Dune is also basically supposed to be the Middle East in space. Yeah. Spice is oil. Everyone else who wants it is the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it that way, naming a character Faid, maybe you don't cast Sting, but whatever. Um, but they imply very heavily and artlessly that Harkonnen has been, like, banging, banging or at least molesting him. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. okay, that's just, like, a crazy stick. Uh, sort of old time shorthand for a creepy guy. Yes. Yeah. Like, right. Right. It's like the, the other. Right. In the books, yeah. Paul's little sister, who is also kind of a freaky, not quite a chosen one, but has all sorts of weird powers, because mm -hmm. while she was in Paul's mother's womb, Paul's mother had to take on a lot of spice to prove to the fremen essentially that she was cool. It, it's, a little, <laughs> it's a little more complicated. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, then smoke that entire book, man. <laughs> It's a little more complicated than that, but essentially they were like, if you want to stay with us, you need to prove that you are who you say you are, because the Battle Nuns, one of the things they did was they, they've essentially trained everyone to be able to know literally every mythology out there so they can position themselves in a place of power no matter where they're at. So, like, oh, let's say you found yourself on, like, a desert planet with all of these weird Fremen, you vaguely know what their culture is because you've been told about all the mythologies. So she knows the things to say, but it ends up putting her in a position where she has to go through this crazy rite and consume a whole lot of spice. Mm -hmm. But because of that, she gives... Uh, her daughter, Paul's little sister, is conscious while in the womb and is born with, like, an adult consciousness. Oh, okay. So there's all sorts of weird shit that happens yeah. after this, like so that. So spice, like, does it give you powers, then? Yeah. You can see... 
depending on how much you consume, you can see other places in space uh-huh. and then other places in time. That's so it's, there's no physical enhancement or like all the thing. I think no. Okay. Alright. That's weird. It's super weird. Yeah. It gets even weirder. By the by the very last book, there is, without irony, a literal sex war between men and women. And women are winning, so congratulations. <laughs> Took them ten thousand years, but finally. <laughs> um, well that was a lot of times, but we also did. Yeah, I, I apologize. <laughs> it's a complicated uh, one. Someone else have give one. Uh, let me look real quick and see what I had. One that I've seen. I'm, I'm trying know. to think about one that I have that would, like, be good for it. Because some of these I truly just don't know. So, like, has anyone seen Gone with the Wind? Yes. Okay. Ages ago. Is Gone with the Wind, like, okay, so fucking all... Two. It's very Right, long. now I know it's a... Yeah. Yeah. All I know about this is you've got Scarlett O'Hara, mm-hmm. you've got Rhett Butler. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's set during the Civil War or after the Civil War or, like, very close to the Civil War or something like that. It's, yeah. Like, through the course of the Civil War. So it doesn't... Is, it isn't, like, Atlanta on fire at one point? Or, is that where it is? Is it Atlanta that's on fire? To be more specific, it's, like, right before the beginning and then it goes like right in, through until okay. right after it. That's why it's so long. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so there's that. And, if, like, my basic understanding of their relationship is that, like, he's kind of, like, courting her throughout much of the movie, and she's like, well, I, I, I don't really care about anything. Like, I'm a real, like, I'm a real fucking broad, am I right, fellas? Like, I just can't be, like, I just can't be convinced to, like, lasso myself to one man at all. And then at the end of the movie, she's finally like, I guess I am in love with you. And Rhett Butler's like, well, frankly, my dear, you can go fuck yourself. Because <laughs> I've been waiting around this entire movie for you to say that, and now I'm going to split. And, like, I'm sure there's more happening in the movie, yeah. but that is my basic understanding of what the plot of Gone with the Wind is. I mean, it's more it's, less the arc. It's, yeah, it's simplified, but it's, you know. I would say that one of the big differences is it's not that she thinks she doesn't need him. She is attracted to him, but they basically just kind of have this, like, rivalry where he's sort of annoyed by her, and she just thinks he's... Like, too full of himself. Okay. So, there's, like, that for the longest time. Um, but generally, it's just a movie about, like, oh, but don't you want to know what happened in the Civil War? Right. The so, it, it's, like, their relationship playing out over the Civil War, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, but I would say that's one, that's the one element everyone looks at. The movie is mainly just about her. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of with this, like, she's, like, rich in the South, and then, right. like, due to the Civil War, you sort of watch, like, her um, fortunes fall apart. Okay. During the course of it. Okay. And she makes a dress out of curtains. Out of curtains. That's all I'm Yeah. And then Carol Burnett. Yeah, yeah Carol Burnett does the sketch. Where, yeah, where she has like a curtain rod on her back. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So that's, 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 okay. It's, it's good to know that I have a basic gist of what Gone with the Wind actually yeah, it's, is. It's, yeah. I, I don't know that I will ever see Gone with the Wind, Frank. I don't know if I feel oppressing you two at this it's point. It's not, you know, it's nothing. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, th- I honestly think, I think it's one of those movies that people just kind of uncritically accept as a classic without really... <laughs> I'm not a fan of the movie, so I guess I'm not... It's not for me. Uh, one of the movies I have never seen, but I feel like I could maybe piece together a plot of them would be Good Will Hunting. I've seen Good Will Hunting. Have you seen Good Will Hunting? No. Okay. Do I give it a try with me or no? Yeah, you go first. Yeah. Okay, I don't know... I know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote Yes. Are they both in it? Yes. Okay, I don't know who plays who, but I okay. think... One of them is playing some kind of, like, either he's a student who's not doing great or he's, like, working at the school as a, like, custodian or something that is maybe considered to be not smart but has some kind of hidden intelligence that I... My assumption is that Robin Williams is a teacher who, like, sees that he has this brilliance other people have not and, like, manages to, like, coax that out of him, but that's all I got. And I also know there's that whole scene of, like, it's not your fault, but I have no idea. <laughs> I've just seen that joke. What's is not his fault? I just haven't seen that joke in reference in so many other things that I'm like, okay, I know that's Goodwill Hunting. I just have no idea what its place is in the story. Um, I know that Matt Damon is the one who's, like, a janitor oh. at, like, Harvard or something. Uh, and he's secretly very smart. But I think that the reason why he's not using it as a, some sort of, like, psychological trauma. And isn't Robin Williams' therapist? And that's why the It's Not Your Fault scene is, like, a, for, a really, like, famously bad therapy scene of, like, definitely not how you handle someone's trauma. <laughs> uh, so there's something in his past that's got him, like, hung up on that he's, like, not realizing his full potential or some shit. And I didn't know that Ben Affleck was in this movie, so... Yeah, so... You're, you're both pretty much awesome. there. Can you... Uh, maybe yeah. illuminate this just mm-hmm. when you give us the feedback. Mm-hmm. 
I know the how you like them apples. Okay. <laughs> I just have no idea what the context of it is All right. the movie or who says it or why. So so the basic gist is Matt Damon plays Goodwill Hunting and he's like you know, like this his name is Will Hunting. Thank you. But his name is Goodwill Hunting. And Ben Affleck is like, you know, they're like, they're very like Southie Boston idiots, right? Like they're a bunch of like, like they work a bunch of like various odd jobs. Like they're not particularly like well off. So Affleck is sort of on his level. Yeah. Yeah. They're like best friends. Goodwill Hunting works at, I believe it's MIT as a janitor. And one like night while he's there, like Stellan Skarsgård is a professor at MIT who's written out this ridiculous problem on the board. And one night Stellan Skarsgård is like walking through the halls and he sees Goodwill Hunting like solve this problem on the board. And he's like, what the fuck did this kid just do? He's like, how dare you mess with my brilliant problem? And he look, like, looks closer and is like, why you solve the brilliant problem? Like, like, what's your deal? And Goodwill Hunting's like, hey, fuck off, kid. So then he talks to his friend Robin Williams, who is a, he's a professor at, I want to say, like, Suffolk County Community, like, like, or like one of the community colleges in the Boston area, okay. and who who has like I, I don't remember if he's a professor like necessarily like of psychology or psychiatry, but something to do with that. So he's basically like, can you talk to this kid? Like, figure out what this kid's deal is. Like, he could be, you know, he could be at MIT. Scarsgard asked Robin Williams, okay. like, will you have sessions with this kid and feel like find out what his deal is? Like, he could be like doing great things instead of just being a janitor. Like, find out what his deal is. And Robin Williams' deal is also that he like used to, if I remember correctly, worked at MIT too. His wife died. And then, like, he sort of, like, spiraled into depression and just kind of decided to, like, take a, like, a crappy, quote-unquote, job at, like, a community college versus, you know, like, a prestigious right, yeah, uh, job at MIT. Because that's something we should be worried about in education is whether or not it's prestigious. Right. I mean, well, that's more like, that's like Stellan Skarsgård's perspective versus mm-hmm. Robin Williams, who's like, no, this is a perfectly valid thing right. to do. Um, and it, it does have to do with, um, if I remember correctly, because it's been a long time since I've seen this, it is, like, a sexual trauma that yeah. he went through and that's why he sort of that's why that's what the whole it's not your fault scene is from is being like you know like no it's not your fault it's happened to you yeah yes it is not how we would do things in real life <laughs> it is cinematic therapy right where we have like that breakthrough that makes yeah, everything fall into place makes, right like, and you just remind yelling at him or something they're not yelling at him but they're just like oh, saying it over and over yeah. and like it's like you know wouldn't really work that way so the thing was um how about them apples Minnie Driver is his love interest in the movie. Oh. Minnie Driver is a student, if I remember correctly, again, at MIT also. And she's, like, at some... I forget what restaurant it is um, in Harvard Square. And there's a bunch of, like, you know, like, Harvard-type guys, like, trying to, like, flirt with her and get her number. And she's just, like, not at all having it. And then she's talking to Goodwill Hunting, and she gives him her number. And then, like, as he's leaving, he bangs on the window at those guys at the table. He's like, hey, you like apples? What do you think of them apples? And shows him the phone number. And the poor dope doesn't realize it's a 555 number, so she gave him a fake number anyway. <laughs> a poor fool, and it never comes up in the movie. And it's it ends. A movie phone number. Yeah. And it ends basically like, you know, like there's tensions between Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, where Ben Affleck's like, hey, fuck you. Like, why are you off, like, learning things and shit when yeah. you could be working in construction like me? And it ends basically with um, him and Minnie Driver going to California, or Matt Damon, rather, Minnie Driver going to California because Minnie Driver's going to do something there in California, school related. And he decides to go with her and that's like what he does at the end of the movie you should see Goodwill Hunting for all the jokes we can make about Goodwill Hunting it's it's a solid movie I have to say so we, you're, you, that was a joke though about the fake number yes really I mean it is a 555 five, five number like in the context of the movie but, yes yeah. it's her real number I don't know, that would have been a great twist yeah. scene. <laughs> it was he's like, hey, he's like hey you idiots look at this number it's 555 five, five, <laughs> look at what a real player is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right I want to briefly talk about Lost. Yeah. I don't okay, think any of us have seen you seen Lost? Yeah, I've watched All every episode. Okay. Every episode. So, right. And I regret it. Like, obviously I know that the big thing is that, like, uh, maybe the island is purgatory. I don't know if we ever get a clear answer about the island, but I remember that, like, a big theory was purgatory for a long time. Yeah. Don't speak until... And you're spoken to. <laughs> don't speak until I'm done. So don't want to get any, like... I influences. I'll go after you then because I've also never seen Lost. Yeah, um, and I, the other thing you know, the island is that there are like people on it. There's mm-hmm. like, well, no, there's like people that land there, but they're right. like, aren't they called the others? The others, yeah. That, that, that's like so many other people in other movies are called the others. Right. I mean, Game of Thrones again. Yeah. We have the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, the movie I, The Others has the others. I don't know what the deal is with the others, but they're there, and I know that there are hatches, and like <laughs> the hatches, there's like maybe one or several hatches. And the, some of them have like clocks or whatever, <laughs> and that are ticking down. And like, I I feel like a lot of this was some sort of just like mystery box long con of like trying to make it more mysterious. Yeah. And I don't. I feel like maybe the hatches don't amount to much. Of Which is, by the way, entirely why I'm giggling. It's not at you. It's just <laughs> when I hear it. 
put out just like a litany <laughs> and then there's this and this I'm like yeah it was just a lot of and, wild bullshit they threw at the and screen. I know uh, this is of no import this is literally just me repeating something I heard that uh, I'll pull up Eric Turrets up in the forest at one point right that's so that's what because I've seen the pilot of Lost and that's yeah. all I've seen and there's a polar bear in the pilot which is like the first moment of like what the fuck's with this island like yeah. why is there a polar bear attacking us I know there's a smoke monster on the island too. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of I what you said. The smoke right. monster, no. I don't know what the deal. That was like, a little bit of a meme at the time too, because it was such a silly thing. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like in later seasons they they leave and come back to the island somehow at several. Places. I feel like yeah, that's a thing too. Um, I know that various characters will die throughout the series. Um, Matthew Fox is kind of the main character, if I remember correctly. It is also like. I, like it's not purgatory, but it is purgatory. Is my understanding of it at the end? Of the, like, like you said, basically, like, like no, technically it's not. But like for the purpose of our conversation, yeah, it's fucking purgatory. They're dead. Yeah. Right. Is it my turn? Yeah. It, yeah. It, I'm, it, I'm done because Lee said pretty much everything I know. So they, they never give you a definitive answer, but yes, in terms of like what the final episode shows you, they don't use the word purgatory. That in function, that appears to be what it was. They don't say definitively they died in the plane crash and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. They, they just so you're I'm not I don't know that I can really tell you what that is mm-hmm. but essentially what you get is the result when the writers realize they made their mystery box too complicated and then they decide oh we're actually going to give you emotional closure not like plot closure yeah and at that point it, it was too we were too far along on the plot yeah. shit to pull it back it. right when um, you just start spiraling out of control at a certain point but yes uh, your your read about it was just a bunch of random mystery box shit completely true I mean that's Abrams. So like, yeah. Does it and Lindelof? Yeah. Well, Lindelof. I think Lindelof has less infatuated the mystery. Is box. there like a? Is there like discussion of like a power behind all of the like hatches and like people? Yes. Yeah, it's a back? company, right? There's a company. The Dharma that's it. The Dharma Initiative. I was trying to remember like what the fuck was called. It's never totally clear what the Dharma Initiative like wanted or was trying to do. Um, that sort of changed depending on the season and who. Is this kind of like maybe a, a very opaque good place? No, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like is it though? Like, is like in the sense that it's like like they don't quite realize, yeah. And oh, making them think one thing. I'm, 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 I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like when they were pitching oh, the title of the good saying. place, they talked about Lost as so like there is an element to the German initiative where they realize. So essentially, all around the island, there are these kind of different, not like necessarily villages, but they're like different areas where mm-hmm. like people who are sent by the German initiative would be settled, and they would be told. You're, okay, like, up here you're going to do X, Y, and Z, or here you're going to do this, that, and the other. And some people were actually given, like, shit to do, but other people were given fake things to do so the Dharma Initiative could observe them as a part of, like, a social experiment. The problem was they would just suggest that at various times, but never necessarily yeah. confirm what was what, because it's a mystery. Um, but, no, all kinds of crazy shit happens. There's the smoke monster, which they find out is sort of like a weird memory monster. Yeah, I thought, like, isn't there a thing where, like, you hear other people's voices yeah, or something in it? Yeah. And that's never really explained, at least on a satisfactory way. There's, um, you know how old ships were steered, steered with a wheel? Yeah. Like a wooden yeah, wheel yeah, yeah, with, yeah. like, spokes? Yeah. There's one of those just at the bottom of the island, and you can turn it to just physically move its location. <laughs> Uh, they do it's leave fun. the island and come back. I honestly can't remember why. During the last season, which is where they kind of just drive home that purgatory thing, there's also, up until that final season, they had been doing flashbacks and they had been doing flash forwards. But what we started to do in the last season was, uh, for lack of a better term, was called flash sideways. Because flash now. <laughs> no, because it wasn't necessarily now. <sighs> flash into alternate realities? Pretty much. But uh, So essentially, there would be. People on who have come back to the island doing all sorts of crazy and gamey shit. Mm-hmm. But then there would always be these flash sideways to what appeared to be some other kind of reality where everyone had just sort of settled into new lives, but for okay. various reasons had been pulled into this, like, small funeral home, and I can't even remember where, because uh, one of the main characters had died... And it's in that funeral home where they start to pull in all of the purgatory stuff because uh, everyone gathers, has a cathartic moment, and then when the doors of the chapel open and they all leave, it's just this, like, beautiful glowing white light they're walking into. So, Natch. it's... Yeah, it's not right. Have anyone seen The Leftovers? I, I have not. The first season. You watched the first season, not season two. No. I just know the hook. I do know that it changes drastically season yeah, to season. Yeah, I've heard that too. There's only like, like two seasons, right? Three seasons. There's three seasons. Yeah. In this in the season that you watched, mm-hmm. do you remember an episode where a character 
I don't know if this happens in the first season or the second season, first season, where a character like like go they make his heart stop and it makes him or he drowns and he has to, and then he it, it, instead of dying he like wakes up in some sort of weird alternate reality slash dream world. Oh yes, where. He has a doppelganger who is also him. I didn't watch it, but I've heard about this, and that happens in the third season. Yeah. It happens twice in the third season. Yeah. Justin Theroux meets his doppelganger, and he's, like, yeah. the president or something? Yeah, he's the president. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I've never seen Leftovers. I've seen maybe an episode... I have <laughs> we got there. Oh, it's... From the first season. So, let me tell you, my experience with the Leftovers is, like, knowing the vague premise from watching, like, one episode in season one, where it's like, okay, people are gone, everyone's sad about it, no one knows why it happened. There's a weird cult because of it. Mm-hmm. I'm following you. It's like a show about, like, people moving on from right, this right, shit. Right. And, like, yeah. And by the time I get to season three, I, I vaguely understand from season one that one of the main guys lost his wife, the main mm-hmm. girl has lost her husband and kids, and she's the one that is still just not able to get over losing her family and she's like adamant on like figuring out what the fuck happens to them and getting back. Whereas he's starting to I guess finally be like, you know, maybe we just live. I don't know. Um Yeah. And I so I, I right about the time where I was like getting super sick, I happened to catch I think the first of those episodes where I don't know why they do this, but this there's some reason they deliberately drown him or something. Like he's gonna do something. And and I, I was like trying to ask my parents, I was like what is happening right now? Like, why is he... Why did he wait? He drowned, and then he waked up in a weird house, and some guy is like, here, take this, and go here. And, like, they like they knew he was coming. And I'm like, what is happening? And they're like, this happens sometimes. <laughs> so there's, like, all the reality somehow. I'm like, is this the world where all the people went? And she's like, no, that's not where all the... I was like, so what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. It's okay. It's, I have not watched up to that point, so I legitimately don't know. I do know that in the first season, there really wasn't much of that. They started yeah. to bring that more in the second and third. Yeah. So I've seen that, and then I've seen the episode where they do it again, he's got to, like, kill... He's got to, like, sneak into the president. Because he's, he's yeah, got to see, like, yeah, and, like, kill the president or something. There was one... I mean, that's going to be pretty easy if you look like the president, though, at least, right? Because you can just, like, go up outside the White right, House and be like, I'm use, the like, president, let me in. They use the same, like, biometrics, so, like, he's able to get into, like... Right. Because the whole point is that I think the president evil version president of him is going to, like, nuclear launch codes on the entire world or something. Mm-hmm. And so he's got to, like, stop it from happening. That's so silly. It's some wacky shit like that. Yeah. It's some sort of, like, weird... And it's this weird, like, crazy break in this otherwise sort of emotionally grounded drama, it seems, mystery, just to have this, like, insane, like, apocalyptic scale. One of these days I want to give it a try watching it again, because I do want to see how we get from what I saw to there. Um, do you know anything about the, what the later seasons? Not that much. Um, I know that in one of the later seasons they're in Texas. Oh. Do you know about, like, the... the there's... I don't want to spoil it if you want to watch it, but... It's fine. Do you know about, like, the... In one of her attempts to get her family back, there's this, like, the guy that just seemingly discovers a way to go to the other world. No. Uh, where, like, there's this, like, machine that, like, you go in it and, like, you disappear. And there's no way to verify that... Like, you've gone to, you've yeah, gone to yeah. the place. So you could have just been vaporized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, there's... That's, like, a subplot where she's, like, decides to go through with it at some point and, like... It's crazy where the way that they set it up to where, like, they, there's this sort of physical examination process and they're sort of grilling her about, like, what's going to happen. The main girl. The main, yeah. And the, uh, Very cool, I think is the two, like, doctors are explaining it and they're like, you're going to go. And it's, this, it's crazy. It's like a set out of the back of a truck. <laughs> and it, like, leads into this weird contraption where there's, like, this hallway just to walk down with these weird, like, crazy scientific panels. She has to be fully naked. Uh, she has to get in this, like, little orb. And then they filled it with a liquid. They're like, it, it, it looks like water. It is not water. That's exactly what they say about it. And they're like, do not breathe this liquid or inhale it. Uh, and they, they like, so basically fully submerge her and then they like hit a button and she's gone. And apparently if you, it's some liquid that like will solidify and, and like harden in your lungs and you breathe it in. The only, the one episode I can really remember is that character, played by Carrie Coon, I cannot remember her character's name, but she like goes to this conference for people who have lost people yeah. in the great disappearance. Captain America's there. That may be how that fits into that. It's like, really, I mean, it's so dark. In fact, part of the reason why I stopped watching, and I'll eventually pick it up again, was just how, like, a very emotionally heavy and relentlessly so the first season was. Yeah. But it was really good episode, but she basically just has a huge depressive breakdown at this conference, and, like, one of the freakiest things that happens is she meets this guy who's a dealer for what are essentially real dolls, but for the person that you lost. Yeah, I remember And it that. was so... And there's, like, a scene where, like, a truck carrying them 
gets hit and like spills out and you just see all these rubbery bodies laying on the highway. It's very freaky. Also, Doctor Who has cancer. Yeah, and he's um, he's like a very angry priest who is pissed. Everyone is like lost faith. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that, I thought he lost faith too. Remember? He did too. Yeah, okay, and he's, yeah. I think he he's he's really pissed about it. Sad. Yeah, he's mad. Um, I want my faith back. I want my faith back. <laughs> <laughs> did we have any more that we wanted to? No, we were we ran on a little long talking about some of the ones we did. Mm. I have a couple that I could maybe really quickly throw out. Yeah, try. Really bad gaps. Yeah, um, I feel like. I feel like I probably confuse Shawshank Redemption with a lot of other movies. Okay. And so, um, I don't know why it's called Shawshank Redemption, because what I think about this movie is that... Have you guys seen it? Yes. I've, I've seen not. it many times. Is they played it a lot in school. What my primary belief about it is that the man, the main character who goes to jail is wrongfully imprisoned. Correct. Okay. Why is it called The Redemption? What's um, about to redeem? What is Shawshank? Because it's about that he... Shawshank isn't even the prison. He has to okay. break out of it, I guess. Right. I know, like, I've yeah. seen that scene of him, like... Crawling through yeah, the tube full the of shit. Out, yeah. yeah, that um, goes on forever. It basically kind of just ties to the idea of not necessarily being redeemed for the crimes you've committed, but being redeemed in, like, a more general way. So, like, while Tim Robbins is there serving out his time, he, like, gives back to the community and, like, teaches them how to read. Was he, like, an asshole or something? No, not necessarily. <laughs> so what's, what's he got to redeem, then? Um, well, it's told from the perspective of, um... Oh, my God, I'm, I'm Morgan Freeman's character who did do what he was accused of doing. Okay. And I believe he is, is also a redemption because through his friendship with Tim Robbins, he would kind of like... Grows. So the real Shawshank Redemption was Morgan Freeman all yes. along. Okay. And there's a very... Like, there's an old man whose best friend at the jail is a crow. It's never really explained how that worked out. It's, it's a good movie. It's just... It's very cheesy in that 90s way. Brennan, do you think you could tell us anything about Howl's Moving Castle or Princess Bride? Oh, fuck me. I literally could not. That's the problem. <laughs> I know there is a moving castle, because I've seen pictures of this moving castle. I know, I've seen, you like... You should see Howl's Moving Castle. I mean, there's a lot of these... Yeah, mo- yeah. A lot of the Studio Ghibli movies I should see. I know, like, like I, that's that's a fact, Jack. It's a fact, Jack. And well, with... First and foremost, we're all going to watch The Cat Returns. <laughs> watch That's That a, Cat Return. I also think you would really enjoy Spirited Away. I've seen Spirited Away. This is the one he's has seen. This yeah. is canonical. Oh, that's right. That's what he's So this is my canon. Spirited Away... Arietti, Kiki's Delivery Service. That's all I've seen. Does anything happen in Kiki's? I thought it was it's, just... I mean, it's like, mostly Slice of Life. It is, it's but like, it, it's like a cute kid's is, is like movie the, sort of thing. It's like the worst thing that happens, like somebody loses a precious object. And, no. Is, that, is, it, like, is there actually like any... I mean, there, there is like... Stakes. like there there's, are there's stakes, but it's not like emotionally like, you know, like, you you, you know, right. it's not like emotionally like heart-rend, like, you Never. know. It's, I would say the, the most tense it gets is uh, she and some friends that she makes in town go to see a Zeppelin being launched, and during that, one of her friends, like, falls from a high height, and she, like, saves them. But it's never really, like, you never feel like anything else is going so to happen. So it's just like a light, fluffy movie. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Also, a FedEx is open across the street. Because, like, a lot, of those, a lot of the movies, yeah. well, most of the other movies have some sort of dark undercurrent underneath them all. Not well, yeah. did Arietti? I guess Am not. I forgetting? But Arietti's not... I, I, guess guess I don't know what Kiki's delivery service is. Well, Kiki's is, is based off of a, it's based off of something, right? Isn't is it? it? I thought it was. Let me, you can keep talking. Right, about yeah, it. Okay. Because Arya's moving castle does. Oh wait, could you take a guess about Princess Mononoke? I really, I honestly got it. There's a wolf. He's right about that. I got you there. Right, nailed it one. I think you'd like it. I would love to watch Princess Mononoke again. I can't. I have a limited tolerance for watching Princess Mononoke because of how body horror gross it is. Yeah, it's based off of a 1985. All the grossness, all the like. It is a gory. It is a gory movie. All this stuff that gore doesn't bother me. It's like it's like slimy shit that like grows on the demons and like spreads like a disease that really I really icks me out. Oh, I don't care for that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a movie which where basically like there is like the beautiful natural world that is being incurred upon by humans, some sympathetic, some not. It's the gully. (laughs) <laughs> it's Fern Gully, but even like more violent and dark. Yeah, it's a very like operatic, a yeah. grim Fern Gully. It's a gory yeah. Fern Gully, but it's also beautiful in some other ways. I don't know. So Kiki's Delivery Service is based off of a 1985 oh. children's book. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, called Witches Express Home Delivery. <laughs> Who's seen Pulp Fiction? Me. Do we do Pulp Fiction? So I was trying to remember. I don't. I don't okay, because like uh, we, you also know, like we, we talked about this before. We talked about pop culture blind spots. That I've seen like three Tarantino movies ever. Pulp Fiction's what are they? 
No, God I've serious? never seen. I can't believe you've never seen the Big Lebowski. I've never seen Big Lebowski. I've never seen Big Lebowski. I was going to do that, but like I honestly, I, I don't know that I could tell you like what the plot of Big Lebowski is. Like bowling, I know there's lots of bowling. <laughs> I know it's a, I know it's sort of a film noir plot, right? Well, it's like, like what's a film noir plot starring a stoner? But it's like it's sort of like Burn After Reading, where it's like. You're not, it's not serious. See, I, I feel like that like, would frustrate me. A film, a film noir, like, you know, like, for example, the way you do the fucking robot boy. Blade Runner. Blade Runner would have a grim, dark tone. But The Big Lebowski is just, like, very, like, it's... I, I think the Burn After Reading is maybe the best tone comparison in terms of Club Brothers, where it's, like, these people are, are ridiculous. Like, the dude is ridiculous. I love Burn After Reading. Steve Buscemi and uh, his other friend, John Goodman, are, are fucking ridiculous people. The wife is ridiculous. Like, everyone is just a crazy character, and you're not supposed to think that any one of these people are, like, sane or normal or... There was a clip I saw where Julianne Moore seems to be begging him to put a baby in her. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it's basically... Pretty wacky. I don't know. I don't, I, like, if I want the logline of the Lebowski, yeah. it's basically, like, the... He's mistaken for someone else, the dude. Uh-huh. And so, like, in the beginning, some guys come over and, like, rough him up and rough his house up because... They think he's like another, another guy, mm-hmm. and they want something from this other guy. And then they like realize halfway through tearing his shit apart, like, oh, it's not you. But then they like urinate on his rug anyway, and then leave. Mm-hmm. And he's so upset about the rug, and he goes to the real guy, and it's like, hey, can you re- can you recruit me? <laughs> some thug just came to my house looking for you. Can I get some payback for the rug? I'm gonna watch this movie. Now. <laughs> it spirals from there, but it starts with that. It's a really weird. It's funny. It's 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 it's. I have to check it out. Yeah, I like it. It's probably like one of the more famous Cold Brothers movies. Yeah. No, I mean it's unquestionably it is. Yes. But yeah, it's not like maybe Fargo was another kind of toy comparison. Where like I feel like you laugh a lot in Fargo. I can like Fargo even as dark as it is at times. I like Fargo a lot. Yeah. What about? I'm just curious. What about Burn After Reading turned you off? When Brad Pitt got shot. From that point on, the movie lost me. So up until then, it was fine? I was fine, yeah. So that choice specifically? Yeah, I think when it became dark and real, because it's a goofy movie, it's a goofy I movie, people so. are doing stupid, ridiculous things, then all of a sudden Brad Pitt dies for no real reason. Right. And then it's just the movie takes a turn and it lost me at that point. I guess I still felt like it was silly after that. I mean, it is, it I'm not is. saying it's not, but I'm saying a character has just been shot and killed. It's a, it's a dark comedy where it's like, it's these people are all kind of stupid, and like, you know... It was so funny to see... If I remember correctly, like, Brad Pitt, is he a is a dumb idiot, and he's yeah. a hippo, but he is also, like, trying to do... Like, he is one of the people that are dabbling into, like, oh, let's do some blackmail and crime stuff. Yes, and because she's... He also wants to do it for Frances McDormand, because yeah. yeah. he kind of sees himself as her, like, buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. the buddies at the gym, they work out together, right? Yeah. But it's... it's that's I feel like that's... Yeah, I don't mind that choice in the movie. Uh, it sucks that he dies, but, like, it's, you know, it's kind of like the, the choice that you would make in that kind of a, a tone, a comedic tone, I guess. And I, I still love the ending of Burn After Reading a lot. Oh, where it's like, so what does this all mean? I have no idea. No, what did we learn from this? And he's like, I don't know. So don't, don't do it again, I guess. And it's over. We zoom out and it's over. These combinations are like, what's the takeaway here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Just don't do it again. There was so much... I also... There was something that tickled me about seeing George Clooney play someone who was just so weird. <laughs> well, and, like, so, like, like self-absorbed and, yes. like, yeah, shitty. I guess I had... I was so used to seeing him play a specific kind of character that that almost seemed like a departure for him. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, wait. You've not seen Pulp Fiction either? Fuck. Wait, okay, give me... Maybe I'm confusing Pulp Fiction. No Pulp Fiction. It's yeah. the big royale with cheese. Yeah, I think I'm confusing Pulp Fiction with Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Okay. Oh, very different. Yeah, no, they are. Um, okay, yes, I have seen Pulp Fiction. I've seen it literally once, what so I don't think I could remember. Seen it? I don't Kill Bill 1 and 2. Oh, okay. And maybe something else that I can't think of. I'd have to look at his film. I, I really like how we did the Kill Bill movies. I mean, I like the Kill Bill movies. Like, they're good movies. I don't care if I see them ever again. Exactly. Like, it, they're fine. Same. I'm glad I saw they're them. Fun. Don't need to see it again. I did get, like... I, I did sort of lose track of reality during some of the scenes in Kill Bill where it was just, like... It just right, became right, very right, abstract. Right. Well, yeah, there was a couple, like, scenes where it was, like, almost like silhouettes. And in the theater and in the, the noise of it all, like, I dissociated, I think, yeah. for a second. I was like, I can't parse. <laughs> yeah. I do this with the video. Some video games I can't play because my 
my brain just like wanders off. I can't yeah. yeah, I'm just like I can't. Who's a human? Yeah, like, what is that like? I can't make some, I can't make out patterns anymore. That happens to me sometimes if I try to track what's going on and the, the screen gets too busy and I'm just yeah. like, hey, yeah, guys, step back. Hope I'm hope I'm the one on the bottom right. So then, what's your <laughs> what's your guess in Pulp Fiction? Well, there I know that there's like a glowing thing in a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And then there is Samuel Jackson and his buddy. I don't know who his buddy is. He's in the John Travolta. John Travolta, yeah. And I guess they're trying to... I don't know. I would guess that's... thing of the suitcase is like a MacGuffin that maybe them are trying to get from point A to point B. There's also a gimp. <laughs> yes. There is a gimp. And that, in, a, uh, in a famous sequence. Yes, that's true. This happen in the transmitting of this object. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I would say... That's, I mean, like, yeah, again, that's a logline, kind of. Pulp Fiction is sort of, um... It's, I would say it's a tough one to have to describe the plot if you haven't seen it, because I would say, conservatively, there's three or four different storylines happening simultaneously, and you don't necessarily see them in the order that they happen. Okay. Um, so, like, the John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson one is sort of a... I guess it's the closest you get to sort of a through line. No, I think it is. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're the central characters. Because they go through each of the situations, right, yeah. pretty much. But, like, everyone kind of has these little side episodes here and there. So there's, like, the one where John Travolta is tapped to bring his boss's wife out on a date. Right, and Thurman and him are dancing. You see the, you know, them doing That's this. The yeah. They do the twist at yeah. that, like, 50s restaurant where Steve Buscemi's playing a, a waiter as uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah. Um, and then there's a almost completely unrelated plotline with Bruce Willis, who is a boxer in the employ of Travolta and Jackson's boss. And the boss has asked him to take a fall on a boxing fight that he's refused to do. So essentially, after, like, winning, he's trying to skip town with his girlfriend. Yeah. And it's in that sequence, his whole escape thing, is when the gimp comes in. Okay. Because he accidentally runs into his boss, his... Uh, Marcellus Wallace who ends up chasing him and there's like this hick gun store involved where uh, they like bust into the basement and they find out that they like grabbed a hold of Marcellus and they're about to like fuck him just like they do with the gimp. It's like a whole thing. Wow. It goes in a lot of different directions. It's kind of just different stories that he sewed together. Do you know what uh, Emily Tarantino what I like is she didn't write it I think. It's true romance. He wrote but didn't direct. Am I, I wrong? That's what it was. Yeah, he did something. It was not. Yeah, I think he wrote and didn't direct. I could be mistaken. Yeah, I it's been a while. I've never seen True Romance, but I've heard it's very good. It's cute. It's a cute um, romance about murdering people, and it's true. The yeah, romance true. is also true. <laughs> it, it says so right in the title. The yeah. romance is true. Quite true. Um, that's all I got, though. That's all you know. I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Um, you're right. Written but not directed by right. Tony Scott. Directed. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anywho. Yeah, I mean, most of these other things that I have on my list are things that, like, I think I could conceivably come up with a logline that's as good as I did with Gone with the Wind, you know? <laughs> so, like, it might not be worth going into detail about, like, what I think Rocky is actually about. I mean, you, he wins at the end. No, he loses. He, he loses. Okay. He loses. That's why it's, like, a big... But the big deal is yeah. that he... It it's like matter. a moral victory, yeah. yeah. Or not, like, a moral victory, but, like, a personal victory. Yeah. Because he like, did it for himself. Yeah, he, he just, loves Adrian. Right, because yeah. he did it, yeah. But the second one, he wins... <laughs> Uh, did you ever saw Freak- Did you see Freaks and Geeks? I can't remember. Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? I've watched some of it, but I don't think I watched all of it. There's um a character played by um Thomas Wilson who plays Beth in Back to the Future, mm-hmm. who's the gym teacher, mm-hmm. and he's dating really one of funny. one of the um the geeks' moms, and he like asks the kid at one point like like hey like like what's the best Rocky movie? And he's the geeks like it's Rocky, and he's like no correction it's Rocky too because he wins in that one. <laughs> Which is like it's such a great encapsulation of like who his character is. That like and the first would be like, why did he fucking win? Like what a dumb movie this is. The second's like, yeah, that's it. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched Freaks. It has been for me too. That probably should have been something I. So many babies that would go on to be incredibly famous. Yep. Well, anyways. This was fun. Yeah. It was. I enjoyed doing this. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I think we should. If we ever did it a third time, we'd really have to stretch it. Yeah, I think I'd really have to like think long and fucking hard about. I, I feel like honestly, I was thinking about asking you guys for musicals that you, which maybe we could do at some other point That'd if we ever do fun. like a, another musical. Episode. Yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah musical. You're episode. gonna be on the on the. I know it would literally just be me being like, so like, yeah, tell yeah. me what you think of X. It's research on uh, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. So maybe yeah. what we do is we just separately send you lists of musicals we don't really, really know. know. Yeah, and then try and guess, and then you can just grab bagos on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. 
This was fun. I really yeah. enjoy this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to do more games this summer, too. I Man, that's the other thing we need to do this summer. More fucking games. So, like, okay. we don't have to come up with shit in advance. Like, what, what makes for a fun time at a wedding? I could do the games. Um, I could give you some real... Uh, Asian drama titles and then mix in some fake That would be yeah, fun. could figure out which are the real ones and which are the fake That was like a bullshit. Because remember we did that for Hallmark movies? Yes, we did. Yeah. I also... We know, were going to do that... Oh, uh, you made some up, but we were yeah. also going to do the the, holly, the Hallmark Christmas grab bag where... Yeah, we like had to come... Like We had yes. like ideas and you had, like threw them in. That. It was no. like noun adjectives. It was like improvised. Oh, that's yeah. That's it was like, basically like improvise a movie. Pull them out and yeah. then figure out what that movie's about. Yeah. Which, frankly, we should we could still That'd be a lot of fun. Like, yeah, yeah. A little, almost like Mad Libs. Yeah, basically. Yeah, where you have to like yeah come up with a movie, movie on the spot. Yeah, names and a half. And then we had wasn't also the idea that you would have to kind of like do like a quick log liney pitch. Just yeah. yeah, just basically like what the movie is about. I would love to yeah. please play that game. That would be so much fun. No, yeah. I think this coming December is what we'll we'll do that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll look into some yeah. stuff. We'll think of some other games and shit. Anyway. No, this was a lot of fun. Um, come on back, listen to us again in two weeks when we'll be talking about the big wedding. It's it's big. <laughs> it's it's gonna big, be big and it's a big fucking mess. Um, yeah, I mean, check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Wildwatch Podcast. Drappack.com is the website. Yeah, and give us give us five stars on five stars. Stitcher iTunes or and or Stitcher. Or yeah. mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. Wherever you find us. Um, otherwise, well, uh, you'll hear from us next time. Yeah. Bye! Bye. Bye.